I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. A few months ago, I sat down with Deputy Minister of IT for the KRG, Hiwa Fendi. And at the tail end of our interview about IT, he talked about the growing influence of AI and how it's going to affect information for the government and the public. But it's also going to affect the private sector, not just here, but everywhere. And AI is becoming quite the hot topic. But it's often not framed in terms of regions with growing and developing economies, where the difference between the rural and urban communities, for example, or those that have the ability to leave the country and those that can't is vast. Karwan Raswal uh, left KRI when he was very young, and we discuss his affinity to engineering in his adopted home, Sweden, as well as his own views on AI, environmental sustainability, and the job market, all through his own company, Gen Values, which we'll discuss more in our conversation. So, with all that, here's Karwan. So, will ChatGPT uh, bring about the next rise of fascism internationally? No, I'm kidding. That's not my first question. <laughs> uh, let's start with let's start with uh, uh, you left uh, Holland when you were 11. Yeah. What did you remember from your childhood here uh, before you went to Sweden? Oh, I, I remember a lot of things. I mostly uh, war and struggle, okay. I would say, uh, but also a lot of like community sense of uh, community and like families it was very like uh very strong so you went with your family to sweden yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, everyone uh yeah everyone all right yeah. you got you got how many siblings uh we're nine in total nine <laughs> right. you in the middle top bottom yeah yeah uh, almost bottom almost yeah, bottom okay two two younger okay all yeah. right so you moved to sweden and i'm curious actually because you had to leave uh, the school system here, which I feel like is a dramatic shift between the school system in Iraq and KRI to the school system in Sweden. No? 100%. Yeah. yeah. How so? I think uh, uh, I got exposed to more like awareness of why like education is good and, and maybe a deeper understanding and why like st- studies is uh, important not only to to learn things but also to learn about yourself and, and capacities yeah was it difficult uh like sort of reconciling your own cultural differences when you went to sweden or did you kind of just meld in you were young so yeah i, I think know. as a kid you you just like melt in and and curious about like uh, finding friends and, and get into sports and yeah i i don't remember any any struggle what what sports did you play sorry what sports yeah football and and, and gotcha. uh, uh, wrestling actually oh okay yeah, all right yeah. fun i was once of uh, uh, i was like uh, maybe professional uh, wrestler so yeah. really yeah <laughs> oh, wow okay yeah were you like ranked nationally or something or so, so we we used to like uh, uh, compete in, in denmark and all the uh, other cities in, in sweden so i remember that i i mostly came home with a gold medal Nice. All right. Oh, I didn't know that about you, but okay. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, actually, uh, was it in high school or was it when you were a little older uh, that you got into engineering? So I I have always uh, had the interest of like solving uh, technical things. Like I I could get lost in uh, in my room and, and like solving uh, things like it can be like a a radio or opening a uh, a small like, car uh, toy and anything. So I think it it is like 
uh, intuitively was the correct uh, thing to approach. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, so you followed that intuition in engineering in University of Stockholm, correct? No, Boros. Boros, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Close to Gothenburg. When did you first enter? So what company was it that you worked with uh, initially? The petrol, so, uh, not petroleum. Uh, sorry, plastics company. So it was a, a, a company uh, was like manufacturing uh, uh, products to uh, uh, plastic, like molding injection. Mm. Uh, a very innovative company and uh, uh, very successful uh, company. So it helped me to understand like programming CNC machines and. And handling like uh, uh, processes of uh, manufacturing, it helped me to get more insight about the engineering and the science of materials and and like the whole uh, like drawing products, etc. So the interest was like get deeper, and, and and then I was very young there, so so I started to study engineering. I was like, this is for me. I think most most of the time, I mean. Speaking like from a background in like journalism and communications, you learn all of this theoretical stuff and the skills, but then you have to kind of go make it work on your own uh, in my field, but my field's not the most stable one. It's certainly not as stable or as a, a growing uh, a field as uh, engineering is. Mm. So I think uh, that's kind of a blessing in a way, don't you think? Yeah, that's correct. It's a little different. Yeah, you can say that. So you have to implement the knowledge, but also it's, uh, I think the the future engineers are, uh, a big part of shaping the future. I mean, everything is uh, uh, is like uh, engineering and, and technology is like solving a lot of different uh, issues in our society, and uh, it becomes like more and more important. So I, I think, uh, and as an engineer, you have to innovate. It's not like what you learn at at school. Like it's not enough. Mm. Actually, when you get out and work. It's when you you grow mostly. It's when you develop your own consciousness, like in your own values, as to what exactly you want to be an engineer for. For example, maybe plastics, but maybe not. Yeah, I, I think as a junior engineer, you just want to have a work and, and learn and, and implement the, the the some studies and get skills and get network and how to work in a team and things like that mm -hmm. is more important. And then when you like have worked a couple of years, then you start start to reflect what am I uh, contributing to, why I'm like working at this company, are they doing anything like... Because you left good. plastics. Yeah. So I, I think I can uh, call myself a plastic dropout <laughs> engineer. Elapsed plastic. Plastic <laughs> industry dropout. When did you sort of develop that skill set that you felt was strong enough to be able to depart from working uh, uh, with plastics uh, engineering and go develop something that maybe is a little more eco-sustainable? I'm curious about when that turning point happened. Oh, I, I don't know exactly, but I think uh, I was in an environment like it was like a collective uh, awareness. Mm -hmm. People started to like ask questions and conversations were going on. So it was I was part of community. Mm -hmm. So it was like part of everyone else that get got into the stage of reflection and thinking. I'm curious, actually, during this time, did you ever make it back to Kurdistan, or was this entire time spent in Sweden? Uh, f from what year? From basically, your early career in studies in engineering uh, on to developing gen values, which we'll get to in a, in a bit. But I, I was, uh, I have been here and visiting like families mm -hmm. and, and friends here, 
uh, I, I have never been like totally disconnected. Yeah. Maybe from 95 to 2003, 4, mm -hmm. maybe more disconnected uh, because like it was not so stable. But we, we had like, uh, I was not disconnected like totally, but, uh, but uh, I started to visit uh, Kurdistan more. Was it as you get older uh, and you, you sort of develop your own life in Sweden, I feel like it would be weird to come back here uh, and see, especially in this period of time when our bill is changing so much. Was it strange or maybe alienating for you or did, did you just kind of take it as like part of your your own like identity? Because, again, you left at a young age, so I don't really know. Erbil has definitely grown and changed a lot mm -hmm. uh, in uh, good ways, a hundred percent. But when when it comes to like Erbil and and Sweden, I have a, an emotional connection with Kurdistan and Erbil. Okay, uh, it's like a part of of me. And when it comes to Sweden, it's a, it's a I have an intellectual connection. It's where I got like aware of myself more and, and got ed educated and I was exposed to a system that were like working good and etc. So it's two dif two very different things like both are 100% strong. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the values that you have uh, reflect more of this region or do you think they reflect more of I think it's also a combination because yeah. uh, uh, being uh, born in, in, in Kurdistan and Erbil and, and got exposed to a lot of like difficulties and wars and things like that maybe also helped me to uh, improve these values that actually work for companies that contribute to something good and not like uh, spreading uh, uh, bad things. Well, and let's... Okay, so... Let's talk about gen values and where your own uh, sort of motivation to create something, as you say, with a net good result, a net positive result mm -hmm. came from. Because you wanted to take basically something uh, that you were working in with just plastics and, and take the skills mm -hmm. that you got from that and make something more sustainable. So it's a combination of many things. It's a combination of like my growth as an individual combination of a community uh, where I was like living in got uh, into a higher awareness of what a job means it's not like anymore a job is not a job anymore it's your creative contribution and expression mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and also like it, it's also uh, something that science has exposed to to the community I was uh, part of the climate change and how plastic, how pollutions, how combustion engines and a lot of products that we have used for 100 years uh, destroyed like uh, our environment, etc. So a combination also uh, uh, of, yeah, of, of the environment I was into. So all that like helped me to to actually create gem values. So walk me through like sort of the the process of uh, I'm an engineer. I want to use gen values as a tool. Yeah. Uh, how would I go about you know accessing your website and and what is the sort of underlying philosophy of that website and how could it apply to like yeah. So yeah. Um, we uh, gem values is uh, 
So if if you are an engineer uh, and and want to find a job, you you go to a f- uh, to like let's say LinkedIn mm-hmm. uh, or or I, I don't know the local uh, platforms, and you you type like engineer product development and let's say Stockholm or New York, mm-hmm. and then you basically only put skills and locations, but it doesn't say anything about the the team values, the working principles. If the organization's values and purpose aligns with you, which is also most important, because you can like be very, very uh, successful as an engineer and have the skills that the company looking for and the IQ, and you go through all the tests and and perform at best. But if you don't have the motivation to apply mm-hmm. the skills and and uh, your experience, it does. It doesn't mean anything if if you don't like actually share the the values and working principles and organization's mission. So uh, when an engineer visits Gen Values, they they experience totally new uh, uh, filter and and search experience. They select the values and working principles that align with the most and the organization's mission of through their products and services. And 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 when there's a match, then they get they get matched with companies that also selected those values during their onboarding process, mm-hmm. and and there's a values values based match between the engineer or the tech talent and the tech company, and when there's a match, and then they will go to the next step like IQ tests and personality tests and and. What tech stack do you, do you, uh, do you have in your portfolio, etc.? Uh, so this this dimension is becoming more and more important because as now we are entering the AI, I knew uh, that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> AI era, uh, uh, the skills are uh, being like replaced more and more on de- determination and like values like ethical decision making are becoming more important and the the human tech touch uh, and, and team values are becoming more and more important. And it, it becomes more risky yeah. for an engineer to actually apply for a job only uh, based on skills mm-hmm. because skills are not stable anymore as we approach uh, with AI. And well, and let's talk about sort of... Do you agree? I do agree, actually. Yeah. I, I do <laughs> I do agree with that aspect of it. Uh, I don't think we see eye to eye necessarily on what, what AI could become and the risks with it. But I think generally speaking, as you said before we turned on the microphones, it's a double-edged sword. I'm curious about what the aspects of that double-edged sword are in your own view from your own field. And I'll talk about it from my own. Um, And then we can try and bring it back to uh, uh, gen values and sort of where where the job market is going internationally and, you know, in various different regions. Yeah, so the double-edged sword is uh, is uh, have activated many uh, experts in in. I don't like the word expert, but I, I'm gonna use it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of experts are saying like it can be very very uh, dangerous. We need a pause, six month pause to put regulations, etc. Yeah, because uh, when totalitarian uh, regimes can get access to very very uh, powerful tool and they can like it can be a propaganda machine uh, and and uh, 
and also uh, like if 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 we uh, let's say uh, reach AGI maybe not next year what or is AGI sorry could you explain so that? the yeah. artificial general uh, uh, intelligence means like uh, an, an AI silicon based AI can uh, be as good as a human in learning and, and deciding and mm-hmm. like kind of conscious but not in our terms yeah not in a way that we can understand no, no yeah yeah uh, so if we reach like AGI it can be uh, it can things can be out of control yeah. You know? Well, and and you you bring up totalitarian regimes, and, and we can we can focus on the political aspect of what what can be done with uh, AI uh, in that sense. But I, my concern is actually that ChatGPT is fundamentally populist. That's what's making it such a sensation right now in the news is that anyone can access it, anyone can contribute to it, anyone can take information out of ChatGPT and create a new thing, and then add to ChatGPT's information base with the content that they make out of it. Yeah, I think um, it's something like if OpenAI that that owns ChatGPT, if if they actually uh, still training uh, and uh, who they decide to train their mm-hmm. uh, their engine AI engine, like maybe let's say if uh, uh, North Korea uh, using ChatGPT and maybe they they can like turn it off to to train their yeah. their engine. I don't know exactly how it works. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it can be uh, very good and very dangerous. The good, obviously, is like you have you have platforms and and, and companies are created every day. It's r- really amazing, like uh, yeah. how how the progress are. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's it helps everyone to be much more productive. Ten X. It's, it's not going away. I disagree. The only people I disagree with with this chat GPT conversation are people who call it gimmicky and like it's flash in the pan. It's not. It's not going away. This is a paradigm shift. Yeah, I think uh, I was like reflecting on that uh, for a couple of days ago and, and, and was thinking like Web3 and crypto was like hyped into the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then it gone away and, and it disappeared almost. Because of a lack of regulation in part. Regulation, but also... The maintenance was the interest. Mm-hmm. If the interest disappears, the whole ecosystem disappeared. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous when the foundation is based on diff, uh, um, interest. Yeah. Yeah. Or investment when it comes to crypto, for example. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of investments. I yeah. mean, we're talking about billions of uh, dollars. But uh, AI, I, I think uh, it's not going to be the same as Web3. I don't know. I mean, any black swan events can happen. Uh, unexpected uh, uh, events, but uh, it seems like this is a much broader, has much broader distribution. You you don't need to be an engineer or or a, any like tech savvy to to use this no, the, the most powerful AI yeah. in human history. And on t- so let's get back to sort of the ethical values that we're talking about. And yeah, what kind of ethical values? So there's. I mean, obviously, a lot of companies are going to use AI mm-hmm. to sell their products and services and do marketing and do, like, a bunch of things. And, and if if you don't have, like, in your company policy that we, one of, like, company values, that we are going to make ethical decision when using, implementing, incorporating AI into our products or, mm-hmm. or advertising. So this will be, like... Uh, a trust 
between consumers and, and companies. Uh, we will see in the in the coming like month, I think. Wait, well, what exactly are you going to see in the coming month? Yeah, I think uh, companies will be very clear on like uh, how they are using AI is like ethically uh, 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 responsible. Yeah, I mean companies. Uh, I I seen a company like in Sweden. Mm -hmm. They have like uh, created a tool where companies can get certificated that they are actually using AI in an ethical way. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be like uh, more and more, uh, uh, we, we're going to see it more, I think. Yeah. I don't know if be that'll happen in the next month. That's going to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, it's already happening yeah. in some companies yeah, yeah, because yeah. you want uh, the consumers trust you. Mm -hmm. But, okay. It's Let's, going very fast, It is. It's, well, it's moving, yeah. well, what do you, do you think like a six-month pause on all of this is the actual solution or... Uh, understanding a broader conversation about the sort of ethical values that we need to approach this technology. How how would you go about uh, addressing sort of the rapid development that this this technology is is doing to change? Yes, the job landscape, but also just how we interact with one another, how information is shared. Yeah, I I think it's very complicated. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's uh, it's not easy uh, to solve that issue because. It's widely distributed, and and uh, I think we're gonna get uh, a stage where a company or a bunch of of uh, users uh, uh, use it for for bad, maybe, and then and then and then politicians will like say, now we need some regulations. Mm -hmm. This was like because you, you see like fake, deep fake, fake news, and. And, and you, I can like copy your voice and call your brothers for for some like uh, I, I think there's some stories like uh, s some copied a uh, young girl's voice and called uh, her mom for money and otherwise like we gonna uh, do this and that to your uh, daughter and then it was totally like fake mm. and, and 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 when when we see like more of that maybe maybe it will be like a. a Politicians will like make uh, make sure that regulations are. I, I think it's very hard, but we need to get yeah. into regulations. Well, I talked about this with Hewa. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he brought this up actually right at the very end of our interview. Um, yeah. And there's all sorts of different things that need to be addressed with digitalization in Kurdistan. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that he brought up at the very end was that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about isn't going to matter when it comes to you know. Being able to track money, being able to track uh, migration, being able to track sort of needs and services. Yes, that will that all matters with digitalization. But the real issue is that AI is going to be taking over all of these different factions for every single government uh, in the world. And so each government ha needs to navigate ethically, like a business, mm. somewhat like a business, how they're going to address that technology and use it to benefit their population. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, it should be adapted to local uh, values. Mm -hmm. Do you think, okay, so we've talked about sort of all of this different stuff in the context of, of what Gen Values does, but yeah. Gen Values still operates primarily in Sweden and Scandinavia, correct? Mm, I think uh, in, 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 in a digital uh, world, there's no borders. Okay. So, so we, we work with companies and engineers that share the, the, the platform's values. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So but, not, but, but, are, there, uh, are there a lot of Kurdish companies or Iraqi companies that share your values? I hope so. 
Uh, we, we don't have users yeah. uh, uh, from here, uh, not companies, mm -hmm. but we do have engineers in our database. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm curious about how you would take gen values and apply it here. Does it translate? I think it does. Uh, I can see it like a shift uh, from uh, from from the local people and talents that they have understood that we need other products and services and innovations and uh, uh, income mm -hmm. uh, from other sources. So uh, I think we will get there. Maybe not tomorrow, but it's coming. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Karawan. I oh, really thank appreciate you so it. Much. Pleasure to be here. Cheers. Thanks again to Karwan for coming in and taking the time to talk with me. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on kurdistanin.net. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks so much. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. <laughs>